0: Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm your host, Sandra McDevitt. Today, the true story of Canon John of Napolmik, who was the confessor to the Empress Jane of Bohemia. Her jealous husband demands Canon John tell him what his wife said in the confessional. Stay tuned to see if Canon John stays true to the seal of the confessional, plus a short examination of conscience. What you need is a tour of service in the army to teach you that women are all alike. You can't trust any of them. The sun had just set on the river Moldau, which flows to the city of Prague, this spring evening of the last quarter of the 14th century. Outside a tavern quarter on the right bank of the river, two courtiers of Wenceslas IV, king of Bohemia, were lounging in idle comfort. Their conversation was muffled, as if for fear of being overheard. Boleslav, whose dress indicated the military profession, clanked his tackard on the table. And so, he went on, I'm not for blaming the king for his suspicions. But if you weren't a sentimentalist, you wouldn't have qualified as court poet, and so I'm not blaming you. But it is sentimental, said Rupert, For me to defend the good name of so virtuous a princess as the Empress Jane, is it not rather being just? Her goodness is standing reproach to Venislas. The tenderness which she shows him and the corruption of his own conscience have made him insanely jealous. Everyone in Prague knows that he has been repeatedly faithless to her. She knows and he knows she knows it. But she does not reproach him. She does not mention it. And always she is before him, sweet and good. I can see why he's exasperated, put in Bolaslav. There is slow torture like water dripping on stone in this turn-the-other-cheek business. No wonder she has them frantic. If she would only upbraid him, the tension might be eased. But she has not spoken of these things save unto God. And to one man broken Blaloslav, driving an emphatic finger at Rupert's chest. Don't forget that. Wenceslas can't. He knows that she has poured out her heart to a mortal man, that canon John, and I say you can't blame the king for wanting to know what she said. Yes, to one man, rejoined Rupert, but a man whose goodness even the king must admire. Do you remember how he offered John the bishopric? and later the title of hereditary chancellor? I wouldn't take the bishopric myself, but I think the man's a fool to turn down the chancellor's revenue. It has kept him independent, left him free to speak out. The king got more than he bargained for when he invited John to preach those Lenten sermons. I think it is because John so loved the king's father that he speaks so plainly to the son. Well... It was because he got the throne at only sixteen, but Venceslas surely merits his infamous surnames of the slothful and the drunkard. Boleslav laughed. I've been a rat and I could add a couple of things of my own. And flinging a coin to the tavern keeper, the two comrades rose and went out, for it was old Bohemia and the night was young. The Heratation of Prague lies on an elevation crowned by a great Gothic cathedral, begun in 1344, but destined never to be finished. Its choir was nearing completion in 1183, at the time when Canon John Nepomuk, after a distinguished career in the new university, began to attract throngs to his pulpit and his confessional. It was strange that people listened on this particular day, For his sermon was prophetic of evils to come to them and their country. Alighting from her carriage, drawn by a handsome span of horses, a lady hurriedly entered the cathedral. She was shrouded in black and unaccompanied, a circumstance that seemed strange considering her obvious station. It was the Empress, and her delay was deliberate. Standing on the edge of the crowd, she shuddered as the preacher threaded his discourse with repetitions of his text. A little while, and you shall not see me. I have now but little time to speak to you. The end of his sermon found her kneeling before her father for the confession. Touched by his holy unction, she had long since chosen John for her director. This made the priest a marked man both by the pious at court who followed their queen and by the dissolute who curried favor by revealing her devout but amateur subterfuge to the emperor. Wenceslaus had always loved his beautiful daughter of Albert of Bavaria, loved her with the most violent passion, but as he was capricious and changeable, he often abandoned himself to fits of jealousy and in this instance, his jealousy was stimulated by the delicate confidences she reposed in a priest and thereby denied to him. His brutishness of mind was incapable of distinguishing between the offices of a husband and those of a minister of God. And his corrupted heart made her virtuous conduct and argument for sinister suspicions. Accordingly, he summoned the priest to his presence. Sifting him indirectly at first, Wenceslaus finally put to Father John his questions: What exactly was it the Queen had told him in her confession? What did he say about her husband? And how was it that? While never weeping before her husband, she always left the confessional in tears. The Holy Priest, struck with horror, represented to Wenceslaus in the most respective manner possible, how notoriously injurious such a sacrilege was to both reason and religion. What I know by confession, he said, I know less than what I do not know at all. St. John Climacus remarks that a special providence watches over the fidelity of this sacred seal. For, says he, it is unheard of that sins disclosed by confession should be divulged lest others should be deterred from confessing and all hope of health be cut off. No ruler has yet made this seal an issue of life and death, but if you should choose to be the first to do so, may God make me the first victim. The emperor, long accustomed to deal with slaves, thought that no one ought to resist his will. However, in the end, he disassembled his rage But the priest saw in his dark, gloomy silence what might be expected from so revengeful a prince. It happened one day that the tyrant, finding a fowl not roasted to his taste at table, gave an order surpassing the cruelty of Caligula, that the cook should be at once spitted and roasted alive at the same fire at which the fowl had been dressed. The officers were preparing to execute the barbarous sentence when John was informed. The poor servant was already pierced with several spits and broiling before the fire when the priest rushed into the room. John's threats of divine vengeance brought about his imprisonment and torture, with Venceslas himself applying torches to the priest's writhing body. Always held before him as the price of deliverance and dignity was the revelation of the Queen's confessions. One night, in a fury of disgust, the Emperor cried out, Take away this man and throw him into the river as soon as it will be dark that his execution may not be known to the people. John's feet were fastened to his head. His hands were tied behind him and a piece of wood as a gag was forced into his mouth to prevent his uttering a sound. Half dead, he was borne secretly through the streets to a bridge 546 yards long, now known as the Carlsbrook. It was the Vigil of the Ascension. As his weighted body sank into the Moldau, the stifling waters sealed forever the secret of the Bohemian Queen's confessions. Seven stars or luminous flames appeared above the spot where the martyr sank, They were seen that night by the swarthy Boleslav, by Rupert the poet, by a queen praying at her window. They still shine the liturgy as the emblem of an inviolable seal.
1: A short examination of conscience. Being contented with mediocrity as the normal standard of life. Setting low standards for the quality of one's work. Being content to leave spiritual, intellectual, and practical capabilities undeveloped. Failing to make the best use of time. Never making decisions. Failing to finish what one has begun being indifferent to consequences of one's actions, not completing our work on time, failing to recognize and accept one's limitations, not standing up for the truth, betraying confidences, toadying to the rich and those in authority, getting upset about trifles, losing one's temper with people and things, not answering one's mail. Neglecting to take reasonable care of one's body, misusing talents and possessions. Love of money. Being vain, conceited, or proud. Believing that one is always right. Being quick to take offense. Being inconsiderate of the feelings of others. Believing oneself to be indispensable, overtaxing one's strength and maltreating the body, keeping people waiting, forgetting appointments, being late for appointments, failing to return things one has borrowed, remaining silent when one should speak up for the truth, exploiting the misfortunes of others, making someone feel small teasing, laziness and explaining the sin away, imagining that religion is a purely personal affair, making no effort to love what one naturally dislikes.
0: Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's true story, His Lips Were Sealed, was written by Father Alfred Barrett and published in Catholic Hearts Magazine. The Examination of Conscience was read by Paul Milne. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show?
1: Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.